0: The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to uh, LCC. Uh, as Rosie said, my name is Kyle. I'm lead pastor here. I get the great privilege of uh, being a part of this wonderful church family. And today, um, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is no longer in a grave, that He rose again to new life. And he is still alive. I don't know if you've realized that, but Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Um, And we're going to talk about the concept of grace today. Grace, if if you could sum up the Christian Christian doctrine, the Christian beliefs, grace is like this really, really important word. And I know that many of us in the room are Christians already. And so uh, many of us think we know what grace is, but I've been pastoring long enough to know that we forget. I've been pastoring long enough to know that people will say things like, but why is God letting fill in the blank, which means something other than grace? We all need grace. If you're here and you're not a Christian, uh, maybe you believe Christianity is a religion based on you do good things, and depending on whether you do enough good things, God might finally accept you. Um, And I'm here to tell you that is not the good news. That's bad news the good news is centered in this word called grace. But unfortunately for us, grace is a foreign concept. Uh, we live in a Western society based on a democratic, uh, free kind of world. And I just—I want to see if you can fill in some blanks for me. Are you willing to participate with me this Easter Sunday? Can you, can you do that? Uh, I know we tend to be a quiet crowd. Come on now. You don't have to give me an amen, but just at least fill in the blank here for me, okay? Don't boo either, okay? Don't go that far. Uh, but fill in these, see if these are uh, uh, just cultural phrases that you may have said or heard before. If it sounds too good to be true, look at you all. Hey, good. I'm going to give you all a round of applause. You participated. Uh, we, make the, the, uh, we make money the old-fashioned way. We, we, we work for it. We earn it. There's no such thing as a free, all the, all the kids are like, free, I don't know. Um, there's no gain without pain, yeah, we know that one, all of us gym rats, hey, look at us all, <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, we all had our protein this morning, we got our shakes with us right now, we've been doing that this morning, that's how we started our day. Uh, you made the bed, now you got to yeah, sleeping at liner. I love that one, I tell my kids that one all the time. God helps those who... These are cultural mandates. This is a worldview in which we live in and swim in. And it is a world which says, if you want to make it in this world, you better work for it. You have to earn it. And underlying this democratic process in which we live in is this sense of freedom that you don't have to stay in the condition in which you're in. You you are freely given, you're an agent of substance and power, and you can get yourself out of anything because you're living in a liberty or a libertarian world. And that is not a bad thing. Many of us in this room grew up in homes which we needed to get out of and we have done things to get out of. Many of us have got better lives than our parents had because we've worked hard. Many of us have gone to uni, we've studied, we've put in the effort to get the degree and now we've got the career. These are not necessarily bad things, but what we do is we take that approach and we implement that in our relationship to God and it's not how it works. And so this thing called grace means you no longer earn it. It's no longer you made the bed, now you better sleep in it. It's a thing called grace. Grace. And it's a completely different worldview, and it is foreign to us. And in many ways, it sounds too good to be true. And the answer is not, therefore it probably is. The answer is, that's why we preach it. That's why we celebrate it. That's why we sing about it. That's why we get up in the morning and live our lives for Jesus, because this is such good news. And so I want to give you an acronym for grace this morning. Um, G-R-A-C-E, each one's going to have a little thing. For those of you who've been around at LCC for a while, you knew this was coming. For the rest of you, that seems fine to you. Everybody else mocks me because this is how I have to do every sermon. It has to be very, very neat and tidy. Uh, we've been in, in a, a book currently uh, in Exodus, It's an ancient story. It's the second book of the Bible. It's thousands of years old, and in this, as we've been going through this story, we've been talking about how it's a reflection of the entire story of humanity, that there are all these pictures and allusions to what is really true about God and about people. And so we've been looking at the fact that God is rescuing these people who are enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years, and he frees them, he delivers them. And last week, we looked at the fact that he delivers them before he tells them what to do. Most people think that when God gives you rules, it's because he wants to restrict you. But last week we said, no, no, the point of God giving instructions to his people is because he wants to keep free people free. So he sets them free. He delivers them out of slavery. And the picture of the Egyptians is supposed to say to us, that's what sin is supposed to be reflective of, that we are enslaved to it, we're bound by it, but God comes and sets us free from it. And then he, over here, once he's delivered us, then he says, okay, now let me show you, let me instruct you on how to stay free and live free. And so in chapter 20, before you get to the Ten Commandments, it says, and God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord, and that word we've been learning, that that is Yahweh, the personal God, the near God, the God who comes towards us, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. And as we're learning, he did that because he's gracious. The Egyptians don't do something in order to earn their deliverance, God freely does it for them. Grace, in many ways, is like a diamond. You, you kind of get it and you turn it, and there's just so many different multifaceted dimensions and angles to it. You see beautiful things no matter how much you turn it. Grace is amazing. That's why we sing. So let me give you my acronym. You ready? G, can you guess what that is? Okay, gift. First of all, what is grace? Grace is a gift from God. Romans 3 says, For all have sinned, we've all messed up, we've all done something that is not right, and we have fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is Jesus Christ. This word justified is this idea of being made right with God. It's the the idea that it's just if I never sinned right? It's God is is doing something for us. He's offering us forgiveness. He's offering us salvation, and he's putting us in a right relationship with God. Now, how much does a gift cost? It probably depends if you're a cheapo or not, right? Some of the wives are like, yeah, this guy right here. Cheap as. Um. Well, it depends on who you are. Are you the person who's giving the gift and purchased the gift, or are you the person receiving it? You see, a gift always costs the person who gives it, but it's always free to the one who receives it. A gift, by definition, is unearned. It is unmerited. It's just given to you. Why do my kids get birthday presents and Christmas presents? I can tell you it's not because they've been good little boys and girls. I can assure you of that. Okay, that's why they get less presents uh, on certain times of the year. Okay? Uh, no, they get presents because they're my kids, and I freely love them, and I want to bless them. Salvation, forgiveness, is a gift, and it can be f- uh, extremely costly to those who have to purchase the gift, but it is always free to the one who receives it. And This is what separates Christianity from every other worldview, whether it be Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, or even atheism. Every other worldview says work. You fix. You make. You earn. You do. Whether it's to get yourself into enlightenment or whether it's to make yourself a career, whatever it might be, it's all work and it's all do. The Christian worldview says done. Grace. This thing, this relationship with God, this forgiveness is a gift. Number two, received by faith. What is your part when someone purchases you a gift? What do you have to do? Yeah, you say thank you, you receive it. You you just go, well, well, thank you, that's amazing. There's a sense in which you you just receive a gift. You don't have to do anything, You, you just put out your hand, you take it, and you gratefully say, thank you. And depending on how good the gift is, is how long that joy lasts for. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I really love this one. Um, the gift of salvation, you just never stop saying thank you. Because the gift is so good, you can't wrap your head around why someone would do that for you. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. What Paul says here is that salvation is freely given and it's received. This is what faith is. Faith is, is not having this super-duper belief. Faith is literally just saying thank you. But then he says it's because he, God doesn't want anyone to be able to boast. Can you imagine going to heaven? And when we get there, it's based on merit. And we all have to have conversations about how we got there. Can you imagine this would be like going to a pastors' conference and hearing from every pastor about how amazing they are and all their churches are? Right? You go, I get to do this. It's amazing. Like you're amazing. Your church is amazing, aren't you? Like we're just ordinary. You are amazing. Or it's like going to some fancy billionaires' party, right? And everybody's there. They're all glamoured up, but they're all posturing the whole time trying to be somebody, trying to prove why they're there and why they have merit to be at this party. And you're sitting there, you know, in your thongs for the Americans, that's sandals, things that go on you. Okay, there's a sense in which you got your thongs, your shorts, and you're just like your average Joe Blow Aussie guy, and you feel really, really out of place. Can you imagine going to heaven and we're there because of what we did? Heaven would suck. It would be the, the most posturing competitive world, where we're all trying to prove how good we are and why we're there. We'd all start lying and making up more reasons why we're there, right? Some of you are like, no, I wouldn't lie. Yeah, you would. And you just lied by saying you wouldn't lie, so now you're caught out. Imagine all the conversations. Uh, Alistair Begg, a great Christian preacher, I encourage you, if you ever want a podcast a preacher, Alistair Begg is great. He, he has this really cool bit where he, he talks about thinking and considering how the, the criminal on the cross, who at the very end of his life just says to Jesus, remember me, and Jesus says, I will, I'll see you in paradise. Right? It's a sense of like, okay, when, when this guy gets to heaven, what would the interaction be like with Gabriel or Peter or whoever's at the gates, right? He's kind of, you know, he's being a little bit funny. And if you don't know, on on this time of the year, um, the Romans would would execute, through crucifixion, multiple criminals every year. In fact, we read a bit of the story this morning in our rally, where this time of year they would not only execute a few, they would also release one person, one criminal for the Jews. And so they bring out this notorious criminal named Barabbas. And they say, hey, this guy's really, really bad. He's, he's done a whole lot of horrible things. And then there's Jesus. Like, who do you want to be released? And they say, no, no, we want Barabbas to be released. And we want, what do you want to happen with Jesus? And they say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. When Jesus goes and gets crucified, he's crucified between two other people. If you read the story in the narrative, on the way to his crucifixion, these two criminals mock him. Both of them do it. But then somewhere along the way, the criminal who is on his right sees something different about Jesus. And at some point, he stands up for Jesus, tells the other criminal to stop. We deserve to be here. This man doesn't. And he just turns to Jesus and says, remember me. And Jesus promises him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so Alice the Begg kind of goes on this, like, imagine when he gets there. And he meets, he meets Gabriel or Peter or whoever it is at the gates who's taking notes, and they're kind of like, all right, so how did you get here? And he's like, I don't know. Okay, well, where, where's your Bible? Have you got a Bible? No, I don't. You don't have a Bible with the highlighted things, and you bring that out on Sunday so the person next to you can see that you, you knew exactly where that verse was, and you kind of like, you flip it so they can see it. You haven't got one of them? That's interesting. Okay, well, when you went to like when you went to life group and you were talking with your group after you had your meal, it was really special. Like, what did you hear about Jesus? Like, uh, what's life group? Okay, so do you do you know about justification? Who? Yeah, justification. You know, sanctification. No glorification. No ecclesiology. No, you don't know any of these words. Okay, like. Who who are you? How did you get here? And and Alistair goes and all he has to say is the guy in the middle cross said I could come. I don't know anything. He he hasn't had a chance to even be baptized. <laughs> He's never taken communion. He never had that moment of like, oh, should I take communion? How am I with God right now? I'm not really sure. Maybe I should wait and get right with God then. Take communion. He never had this moment. He never, he never, from that, he never swears in his mind and goes, oh, I'm glad that didn't come out. Oh, that could have been bad. He has no other merit to be there other than Jesus gave an invitation and he received it and walked in. I'm here because I know Jesus, and this is why heaven's going to be awesome. See, it's going to be the opposite of posturing, because we're going to be saying to each other, like, hey, why are you here? And we're going to have the exact same thing. It might not be exactly the same in terms of the man on the middle cross that I could come, but it might be, well, you know, I was in all of these relationships with these different men, and, and one day, because I couldn't go out and get the water at the normal time as the other women, I went to this well, and Jesus was at the well. And he knew my life before I even had a chance to tell him And he was just engaging with me, which he's not supposed to do because I'm a Samaritan woman, he's a Jewish man, and then he told me that he could offer me rivers of living water. Why are you here? Well, I don't really know. Like, once I was blind and now I can see. Well, Why are you here? Well... I was in the middle of having an affair and a bunch of Jewish men brought me out into the middle of the town and they were ready to stone me and Jesus engaged me and stood up for me in front of all these men and he said to all of them, he said, hey, for those of you who have not sinned, go ahead, throw a stone, throw a rock. You should have seen their faces like, they didn't know what to do. Well, I'm here because I, I was brought up in a broken home and it really messed me up and I was lost. And one day Jesus came and found me, and he gave me an invitation. I grew up in a religious home where my parents were Christian, but they were hypocrites. you know. And I would see see dad preach on a Sunday. It's getting a bit real. And I'd see what he's like on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it made made me wonder whether I really believe in this Jesus. But then one day Jesus found me for himself, and now I follow Jesus. I was studying, worked really, really hard to get a career, got the career, got the house, got the cars, but something was just missing. And one day Jesus found me, Jesus engaged me. That's what heaven's going to be like. Every story will be pointing back to our king and saying, I'm here because he engaged me, he found me, he rescued me, and he said I could come. Grace is a free gift and we freely receive it by faith. None of us will get to heaven and boast. We will have nothing to say of our merit. We will get there and just tell each other how good God is. Christian, can I encourage you? Don't wait to heaven to do that. Do that now. Tell people how good God is now. He is so good. Amen? A, hey, it is available to all. One of the coolest things about Christianity is that it is non-discriminatory. I love this. Um, I get to participate in, um, we do Acts 29 global prayer meetings once a quarter. And so what we do, a few hundred of us jump online on Zoom as we do, and we get broken up into different groups Um, in little prayer groups and so we'll have someone present for five minutes and then we go off and we all pray and every time I'm with someone who's from Italy, someone who's from Russia, someone who's from like South Africa, someone who's you know Middle Eastern and people are praying in all sorts of different languages. We all look different, we have different backgrounds and guess what? Same king. Same Jesus, same God, same spiritual family. And it's an incredible experience. You get to just meet. Sometimes they don't speak any English at all. It's a little bit frustrating because I'm like, I have no idea what you're praying. But yes, that's awesome. I hope you're praying something good. This is what the end of the story tells us. In Revelation 21, it tells us that there will be people of every tribe, every tongue, every nation in heaven. Because this gift is for all. It's free for all. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your education status is. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic background is. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It's a gift for you. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how much you think you've sinned and are so far from God. Some of my friends won't come to church because they think, man, if I walk in the door, he's going to strike me down. It's like, dude... He should strike me down before he should strike you down. <laughs> Some of my friends are way better people than me. It's for all. Even in the story of Exodus, which we've been through, there are these, these Hebrew people, which are God's special people. But even there, God's saying, but this isn't just for you. This is for all. And so when they get rescued from Egypt and get taken through to the wilderness, Egyptians go. We've seen that in the story. Egyptians leave Egypt and start following Yahweh. We saw last week that Jethro is the Midianite and he comes and he starts to follow God. This is a gift available to all. And there is no excuse that we can give that says, it's not for me. Believe me, everybody's tried it. And often what happens if you're not around church world very much, as you come to a church like this and you think everybody's here because they've got it all together. Listen, all you get to see is our highlight reel on a Sunday. You don't know our behind the scenes. You don't know the story and the mess of which we have come from. We are just trophies of grace. That's it. God has rescued us. God has saved us. God has forgiven us and God is putting us back together. But it is all about His free gift given to all. Romans 4 16 puts it this way, it says, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, in other words, not only to Jewish people, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. This is the free, gracious gift being offered to all And the difference between one and another is simply whether we receive it. Number four, it comes through Christ. One of the big objections to Christianity is that it's exclusive. Even though I've just tried to highlight that it's actually not exclusive in that sense, it's available to all. There is an exclusivity to it. That is, is that it only comes through Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one comes to the Father but through me. And our culture struggles with the exclusivity of Jesus. In our rich, multicultural, religiously diverse, and postmodern culture, it's heresy to say that you know the way, that you have the objective truth, and that someone may not. Except if you fully agree with their truth. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed the, uh, the hypocrisy in much of that, um, but the reality is, is everyone has exclusive truth claims. Everybody does. All of us do. We all think that if everyone else would think like me, this world would be a better place. Right? Yeah? And we can't understand why you all don't think like me, because every sermon should be an acronym. I don't understand what your problem is. Why don't you think like me? Hey? Something's wrong with you. Obviously, I've got it all right. This is how we think. This is, this is how everybody thinks. But Jesus says, no, 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 there, there is a true way, there is a true life, and there is a true truth, and that is Jesus. Part of our culture would say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're a sincere, good person, right? Except we need to define what good is. That's really hard to do without God. I won't go there. Um, But think about it, okay? It doesn't matter what you believe. You can believe Jesus is the way and the truth. That's fine. And someone else can believe it's not. And it doesn't really matter as long as we're all good. Except we don't apply that to any other area of life. We don't go, look, it doesn't matter whether you believe in gravity or not. Just see what happens. Like you believe what you believe and just, you know, have a little jump. As long as you're a good person, as long as you're good in your heart and you don't hurt anybody, I'm pretty sure the Empire State Building and you, you'll be fine. Do we do that? No, because if there is truth in the reality that gravity is a thing, there are implications if you get that wrong. Big implications. And the Bible says it's the same with Jesus. Listen, there is, this is available to all But it only comes through one way, and that's through Jesus. So the Bible would say, Buddha cannot save you. Allah cannot save you. Nothing can save you except for Jesus. And guess what? He has done that for you already. It comes through Him. And He not only died, but He was willing to die. We're also said that we are to... To be arrogant if we hold to exclusive truth claims about Jesus. But again, we don't do this with other areas of life. If someone was to come up with the cure for, I don't know, let's say COVID, just as something to put out there. I know some people have said they've come up with it, but obviously they haven't. Okay, but let's say someone did. Um, Do we invalidate their claim of being able to solve COVID based on whether they're a jerk or not. I, I don't care if you're a jerk or not. I just never want to have to wear a mask again. I got more amens with the mask statement than I have on some of the stuff with Jesus. That's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> But the reality is this, is that we all have a set of exclusive beliefs that we believe if everyone would believe what we believe, it would make the world a better place. So the question is, is which set of exclusive beliefs are true? And that, my friends, is worth investigating. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, those of us who are Christians, we've investigated this and we are convinced Jesus was a real person and he was really crucified. He really went to a cross and he really died because Romans took what Alexander the Great had started and they perfected it and the Roman executors made sure he was dead, actually put a spear in his side to make sure he was dead and they put him in a grave in which they protected and they wanted to make sure he was dead and for some reason, some way, he got up out of the grave. And when the women came and the angel was there, they said, he is not here. He is alive. And so we follow Jesus, not because it makes us feel better. We follow Jesus because we think it's objectively true that this God man was here and he rose again for us. Masks. Jesus died and rose again for us. Oh, okay, all right. It's kind of good, I guess. Yeah, yeah, okay, no worries. We don't follow Jesus because we are looking for some type of hope in this world. Although Jesus, Jesus gives us hope, we follow Jesus because we believe it's true. And if someone can predict their own death and resurrection by the enemy walk out of a grave which makes everybody look bad and then spend 40 days with people who then Luke then goes and investigates 500 different eyewitnesses who saw him at different times, walk with him at different times. We believe he is alive. And if Jesus is truly alive, then he's truly who he says he is and we believe in him, that he is the way, the truth and the life. And lastly... This extends through all eternity. This life that we get given now with Jesus, it's not just something for heaven. This is something that starts now and goes on forever. And it's not even it's not even a a quantity of life, it's a qualitative thing. So so there are degrees of living that we, we know exists, right? So for example, a rock. A rock is not alive, as far as I understand. It doesn't have any feelings. It can't grow itself. It can't get anything from the sun. A rock is really, really good for a whole lot of water and to be pegged. That's what a rock is good for. Or to maybe be scratched and dug in like my my daughter likes to do and seal the little things, right? A rock, it's not really alive. But then if you get to a plant, like we do something with plants. Like, has anyone here watered a rock? Oh, my rock's, my rock's not growing. Well, I've put it in the soil and I've got the sunlight on it and I've been putting it and it's not growing. No, we do that with plants. And what happens when we don't water the plant? All of you people who have a thousand plants that you kill every year. Uh, it dies, right? And when it dies, we're like, oh, oh, I'm really bad at this plant thing. And then the husbands say, So why do you keep buying more? Why do you do this to yourself? Why do you do this to me? Praise Jesus, he rose again for you. I whippersnip. Sometimes I whippersnip plants and not weeds. And the wife tells me off. It's like, that was a plant. It looked like a weed. It looked the same to me, man. It was green. It was hanging. It looked like it needed to be cut. But look how nice the grass looks now. It looks amazing. Yeah, but I've been trying to grow that, right? Let's go a little bit further when your animal dies. Like, obviously, if it's a cat, we don't mind. But if it's a dog, <laughs> if it's a dog, like, you know, um, we, we, we buried our dog or his ashes in, in our yard and, and put a, a fruit tree there. So we've got this lovely orange tree. And every time we see it, we think of our dog. When our dog died, I cried. As much as my wife loves plants and loves vegetation, she just tells me off. She never cries when I whip a snippet. Why? Because there's a different level of life. What happens when someone gets pregnant? What do we do? We rejoice. Like, that's amazing. That's awesome. What about when a wife has a miscarriage, we weep? There's a, there's a different level of life. Do you see? And what the Bible says is that when you, when you receive this gift from God freely, By his grace, by faith, he gives you a new type of life. In fact, the Bible says not only do the blind now see and the deaf now hear, it says the spiritually dead now come alive. And there is something that changes in you because there is a connection, because you were made by God and you were made for God and you must receive his free gift by grace to get those things back together. And when you come back to God and you're in a relationship with God, you start to feel differently. You start to think different. You start to live differently. You have a peace that you never had. You had a joy that you never had. You had a hope that you never had. Why? Because if Jesus really rose from the dead, then everything else... He says it's true, and he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he has come to give you life more abundantly, and so as Christians, we don't believe that we are necessarily better than anybody because of this, because it's a free gift that we've been given by grace, but there is an experiential thing that we we feel and we experience, and we say, hey, I, I, I don't know what to say to you, I don't know how to explain this other than something has changed in me. As the band come up, this is what Jesus is offering us today. New life. As Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just do that to show off and say, see, he did that so then he could give you that eternal life. And so Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That is eternal separation from God, but the free gift of God is eternal life. That is eternal union with Christ. If you're here and you're not a Christian, we want to welcome you to our church. And we want to let you know that you're welcome here. Anybody is welcome through these doors. And we want to offer you the same offer that we were given, which is come and receive the gift. Come to Jesus. Receive it freely by grace. Put your faith and trust in him that when you die and you go and meet with God, people will say, why are you here? And you can say, the man on the middle cross said, I could come Come and experience what it looks like to follow a God who loves you is for you who never leaves you never abandons you everything you go through he is present with you and you know what he takes some of our biggest mess ups in this world and he brings us through them and he starts to put us back together I, I would love to tell you the stories of people in this church it's not my place to do that But I can tell you there are incredible stories in this room of people who were so, so, so broken. And they said yes to Jesus. And you would never know that 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 was their story because what Jesus has done in their life. And when we get to heaven, we're just going to have story after story after story. And we would love to hear your story. And if you're a Christian, Don't let the good news become old news. Don't get tired of hearing about grace and the goodness and kindness of a Savior named Jesus. Don't tire of that. Continually preach it to yourself over and over again and say, this is the truth I need to hear. This is the good news. This is why I do all that I do, because Jesus died on a cross for me and he rose again to new life for me and now i want to live for him amen amen let's pray thank you for listening to this podcast from life center church located in north lakes we exist to make mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon declare and display the gospel of jesus christ in all of life if you would like more information about us